0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: what do two dutch people need to kiss tulips (laughs) because we just had the dutch grand prix wow there's tulips everywhere you're so topical that's two topical jokes in in a row i think now
0: i feel like when you do that, you have to put a bit more effort and thought process into this now. Cause it's not just about finding a funny joke. Is it anymore? It's about yeah. trying to link it.
1: Honestly, this has become such a big job that I'm surprised <laughs> that you guys aren't paying me for it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it takes up upwards of like three minutes a day <laughs> on the day of a recording.
0: Day? <laughs>
1: no, not a day on the day of recording, maybe three minutes, maybe less. A lot of that's just because my Wi-Fi is slow though. So, so, <laughs> so, you know, can't claim it all.
0: Um, I like it, but it. I suppose now what I'm gonna request for future jokes is that they become <laughs> slightly more complicated. <laughs> they're funny. Complicated. <laughs> 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 no, i I found them funny. I found them more funny, Nate. But wait, um, wait. I think you've I think they're too simple now. You've gone too simple. I want a little bit more for story in the joke.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I, wanna I used to tell like some, a bit of a story, didn't I? With I feel
0: them. like something. Yeah, you know, I want to. I want to feel some build up.
1: Okay. So I can tell another. I can tell another long one, maybe next time. Wow, something for everyone to look forward to, then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please come back again, listeners. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so the rated, the rated. Well, we haven't really heard from Meadows yet. Meadows, what was your uh, reaction to that?
2: I enjoyed it actually. Uh, see, I'm the opposite. I like the one liners, short and sharp, not that long to kind of think. I would say gets the pod kicked off nice and quick, but seeing as we then discuss it for about twenty minutes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I was satisfied with his work today.
0: Okay, well, um, excellent. Me, I'll take that. To to kick this off and get some speed into it, I'm going to give it a six, Nate. Um, a six.
1: Thanks so very much. So
0: solid, that. but not spectacular.
1: Yeah. Not, not not what? Side.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that oh, was spectacular.
2: That was an speed. absolute shunt of. Words. Such
0: wow. a busy couple of days. Um, I'm struggling ha- a bit. I'm struggling Spare. a bit. Oh, <laughs> <Spare laughs> ha- uh, Medicine's got a paddock cup today.
1: Yeah. You've got yours, although it's in Don't change the subject, Lawrence. <laughs> For the fact that you can't speak. He's a channel four. That's the channel four standards are so low these days. It's, it's terrible. Uh, oh, it's That's what they're letting on.
0: I have to put everything into that 30 seconds that I'm on, that everything else just doesn't matter. No, that's why.
2: Well, let's let's find out how you get on when you've got the pressure of an intro and then like 20 minutes of talking. Okay. This could be sensational. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
0: Oh, no. Welcome.
2: (laughs) Well, he's failed at the first hurdle. (laughs)
0: Oh, dear. What a tremendous start. Sorry, listeners. Right. Let's see if we can do that again. Welcome to the Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Beretto, senior writer at F1.com.
2: And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nah Tontoz from (laughs)
1: ESPN.com. Sensational work. Around. Fantastic. That's Sorry, ruined, I've ruined, ruined the start of the pod and now the not intro. mocking me. That's all right. Well, I can tell you, like, this is a
2: good time, actually, for me to rattle through a few reviews we had come in because there's going to be none that are nice after uh, this <laughs> this episode. So um, we've had two, not one, but two reviews, which makes for a big week for the pad That's um, big. And the first one has come all the way from South Africa. Ooh. Um, from Mix Linden, who... Gave it the title, can't rate this higher than five stars. Pity, which is very nice, and did rate it five stars.
0: Hey, so that's lovely.
2: I mean, that would get you a freebie if I had something else to give away. We'll find something. Um, my favorite podcast to do my Tuesday night dishes or Saturday morning drive to golf to golf fan. We're gonna to have to discuss golf at some stage because Bretto and I play next week.
1: Ooh, no, yeah. we will not be doing that because golf <laughs> is terrible.
2: Uh, the 60 second review has me in stitches every week. There you go, Nate tip of cap to you sir uh, if i could i'd give this a bonus star because the presenters reckon they would like to return to kyle Army, my local track and i couldn't agree more we do so uh, mix linden you are welcome um you're welcome just to keep five starring it every day if you feel like it so uh, yeah for every day that we're not racing at kyle Army, please give us five stars great idea and then you can stop when we get there so you know we'll do our bit by telling the odd person that we should go back to kyle Army. you do yours with a rating I think it's a fair uh, trade. That, yeah. to me, is a fair trade. Yeah, plenty. Um, a place we do go to, though, is Canada, normally. And that's where the other review came in from, from uh, sustus I don't know how that's... It's double C-U-S-T-U-S, I think. Anyway, uh, fun podcast, good for a laugh, five stars. Whoop! This is a big oh, week. Big week dads, for us.
0: This is huge. Uh,
2: it says, fun podcast, always has me laughing. It's like hanging out with friends Really enjoy the 60-second review and jokes. Always look forward to the new episodes. Keep up the great podcast, guys. That's just a really nice one that doesn't either blackmail us or bribe us or say <laughs> how we've bribed them or take the piss or anything. So, wow. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that's pretty... Uh, those are two very good reviews. I'm stunned. Have you just deleted the bad ones?
2: Uh, I just ignore those, yeah. Um, but they'll, they'll be flocking in this week after Beretto's just diabolical attempt to <laughs> say, say words.
0: Oh, so, um, oh, you wouldn't have thought that generally in my day job, I'm paid to say and write words, would you? Well, I can tell that <laughs> say you say and write. Yeah, <laughs> I
2: can tell you're paid to write them because you can just kind of correct yourself all the time. That's why I'm a written journalist. But um, yeah, it's the saying part. It just it stuns us. Speaking of people saying things, who wants to hear Nate saying 60 seconds worth of review of a race?
0: Yes, please.
2: Brilliant segue. Love that.
1: This is the 60 second review of the Techno Beat, Tomorrowland, DJ Tiesto, oomps, 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 Dutch Grand Prix. First place was Max, 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 Super Max, flares everywhere. He beat Lewis Hamilton, who loves Bottas. Bottas, a little bit cheeky, wasn't he, with that fastest lap? Uh, everybody loves Pierre Gasly, except for Helmut Marco. But luckily, we love Gasly. He was fourth. Charles Leclerc, he's pretty good, isn't he? Fernando Alonso loves a banked corner. Carlos Sainz hates a final lap. Sergio Perez, probably loves the fact he's already signed his new deal. Uh, Esteban Ocon, he won a race once Lando Norris, he got a point Danny Rick didn't Stroll and Vettel, uh, they drove around manfully, enjoyed that uh, Antonio Giovinazzi was there So was Robert Kubica, because Kimi got COVID, or at least got tested positive for COVID, get well soon, Iceman uh, who's retiring, by the way that was sad um, I've lost where I am Nicholas Latifi, that's a person George Russell, what a week he's had. Don't know if you've seen the news, but he's going to drive for uh, Mercedes next year. Mick Schumacher hates Nikita Mazapin, who's very aggressive. And Yuki Tsunoda, his car broke down. Wait, 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 wait. Apologies for the bad mic there. Hang on. George Russell's going to drive
2: for Mercedes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> i missed that. Yeah, it missed that. It, honestly, it was a bit of a scoop for me today. Uh, broke that just before we came on the pod. Wow. Um, wow. I know, right? Big. But um, yeah, no, I, so I apologize to Nicholas Latifi because that was, I just kind of didn't rehearse that last bit and then I just completely lost where I was and I just, the first the first thing that came into my head to say was that Nicholas Latifi was a person, which I is mean, true. It's
2: factually correct. It's yeah.
1: it's true, but it does sound a bit insulting and I quite like Latifi. So uh, sorry, Nick, if you're
2: listening. He's also a funny guy. Did you see his tweet today about this stunning news that I didn't know that George Russell's going to Mercedes where he was like, I thought, you know, how could you do this to me? How could you leave me? I thought because we holiday together, you were staying sort of thing. There was some, uh, there was some good lolls in it. I'm not going to, I didn't explain it very well, but yeah, I was like, nice. it was a nice take on things.
1: Good. Right. <laughs> See you next week. Good one. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> well, fans. Um, can, can, can you read those two good reviews out again? <laughs> they, were, they were good. Yeah.
2: Um, no, actually I can, I'll, I'll just move it on again because something Barreto failed to um, have the pleasure of in Zambort. He, I mean, he'd have had the pleasure of the original being played out, but he did not get the pleasure of every three seconds Nate singing a certain Dutch song that you found, didn't you? Because I walked in via the beach uh, yeah. with a couple of well, you, Yeah, cars, you you found it. And no, I could not hear his tune blaring out over the beach, which was not unusual for the Zambort week, um, from a bar that was pretty much empty, because it was before FP1, it was about, I don't know, 9.30 in the morning 10 o'clock in the morning and it was pretty sensational it had drivers names in it and was a proper techno beat so Nate found it on YouTube as well and is here to uh mm-hmm. well, just to tell you all about it
1: yeah so <clears throat> this is a fantastic song uh, I love a word play and this is word play and it's in German or is it German or Dutch I think it's German I think we I think we worked that out uh anyway so yeah Med has found this song uh, or by found, I mean, he walked past the speaker as he said, playing it. Uh, and it goes like this: it goes, Vi heisti mutter von Nikki louder, Mama louder, Mama louder, and it goes over and over again. So, what that means is, What is the name of Nikki Lauda's mother? and then Mama Lauda translates as make it louder, so it's just like a classic like uh-huh. dance song. Um, and it's just great. It's and and when I, every, every time there was a bit of silence in the media center, I just thought, I'm just gonna play. I'm just going to play it. And it was great. Um, I think they played it on race day. It was about an hour or two before the race. So were you,
0: were you singing it to our dear friends in the media center or just playing it? I would. A, a ju- edition that you'd found on the internet.
1: I occasionally would sing it. I occasionally would play. I just, you know, I just did whatever I felt the mood dictated. Uh, I don't know which one, whether metas appreciated one over the other.
2: I appreciate both. <laughs> I think I appreciated your singing most. It was quite good as well. If I was remote, if one of us was in the paddock, say, or somewhere else, you would just get WhatsApp sometimes on a group chat we have. Yeah. It would just wouldn't. be Mama Louder, which was just put it straight in your head again, which is obviously what you wanted when the whole weekend you had this song in your head, was that in yeah. case it had dropped out, then they just put it back in there. So uh, there was that. There was Max, 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 Super, Max, Max, Super, <laughs> Super, Max, Max. Yeah, Max, that, <clears> that one as well.
1: That one gets into your bones, doesn't it? By the end, you just can't, you're like, okay. You think of the name Max, and then your head, like in the back of your head, there's someone just going, Max, Max, Max. <laughs> Max. <laughs> and it's like, oh, God. But yeah, um, it was just great atmosphere, Zandor. I loved it. I think every race should be like that. Just flat out music festival from
0: with a the bit beginning of to the end. Exactly. And also, ordinarily, people complain about when it's too much noise, but I didn't hear a single person moan about the atmosphere or how loud the music got at any point. I loved it. I thought it was great.
1: Now, and okay. fair play to the Dutch as well, because I was, I was like, is it going to, you know, maybe it's because we're used to English events but I thought there's gonna be a lot of people getting you know very well lubricated with the alcohol you know are they gonna get aggressive are they gonna get especially you know toward you know Lewis Hamilton's the, the villain in the title fight we all thought maybe he'll get booed maybe you know they'll be but they were fantastic the Dutch is just mm-hmm. like just the nicest people and um just yeah like a few of them would come and chat to you on the train um walking in they were all just having a, a, a great time it was really really cool I thought it was a Great event. And I think Meta said it at one point, like straight into the top five list of best events on the calendar. Without a doubt, the race might not have been great, but events wise, it was awesome. Yeah,
2: I I definitely like put it right up there for fans wanting to go to an event where you're going to get, because you can't guarantee whether you get a good race or not. Even if you go to somewhere that normally produces one, sometimes you get a shocker. I mean, the amount of times like we're going to Monza this weekend, we've had some pretty processional dull races there, but then last year was epic. So like, you never know quite what you're going to get from them. So when you pay your money for your ticket, you're kind of risking, you know, you might have the best race to watch or you might have a shocker, but the stuff you can guarantee is everything that goes on around it. And I think Zambor absolutely nailed that. Um, Like we stayed in Amsterdam, Nate and I, uh, with a few others, which did mean getting the training, which in a sense we're slightly um, wary of, because obviously that's a lot of other people that you end up there mixing with to go to the track each day. But it was so well-organized. There were So Thursday, obviously, it was quieter because... Uh, there's nothing actually at the circuit for fans to go for, but there's still people around and get into the spirit. But so we got the train in then and we're like, this is good, but tomorrow might be tough. And then they did 12 trains an hour from Amsterdam central station. to So every four or five minutes, there's a train to get on. It was so well organized. You got let through a gate in like, they, they'd limited the number of people per train for COVID reasons. So they'd count that many people through and then help hold you back uh, in the station, but it actually kept it all flowing nicely and, and not too crowded. And then you'd walk the length of the platform to get on the front of the train and it'd be empty. You'd just sit, sit on a seat at the front. There's a tip for anyone who goes next year. Uh, and then it was half an hour through Harlem. There's was about five stops in total. Got to Zandvoort and Zee. Uh, and that was the end of the line as well. So you wanted to be at the front of the train, you get off and 15 minute walk to the circuit. It was perfect. And the walk to the track was awesome down this weird kind of um, residential-ish street. But. Every place had put like flags out or like banners and was turning their like decking out the front into like a bar and had music on and you were selling drinks, or they had so many kids were getting used and abused in the sense of sit in front of the door with like a table to sell water or to sell like makeshift max banners and things and try and like get people to go, like, oh this sweet kid being an entrepreneur, I'll buy that for him from 60 euros, whatever it be. Um, but they were everywhere. It was actually quite smart uh yeah it was great it made for a really cool atmosphere on the way to the track as well so uh it was a lot of fun and like nate says there was that there's a tweet that you did nate that was underappreciated i think on thursday walking in where you tweeted luckily the music on the max 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 in didn't max 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 have any max max super max impact on me which i think was very true (laughs) because
1: that's exactly how my head sounded for the whole week yeah it was yeah as soon as we walked in it was just it just reverberating around um no, I loved it. I, I was trying to think of, like, you always trying to think of, like, okay, what was a bad part of that race? And honestly, I don't think, you know, the race wasn't great, but we've had some really good races this year, and, you know, they were all I think they all treated it pretty carefully, didn't they? That banked corner. We all mm-hmm. thought there was going to be fireworks, and there weren't really. Well, there were fireworks, weren't there, at the end. I liked that as well. I thought, I thought, everything about it was just great. All the orange flares. I thought a safety car might come out at one point because of how bad the flares were. You know, all of the orange I thought if it goes over the circuit, what happens then? Do they just have to drive through it?
0: Yeah, during the formation lap, I thought it got really hazy. Um, there were some shots on telly that it did look a little bit tricky, didn't it, to uh, for visibility-wise.
2: And uh, Fernando called it orange fog, didn't he? When he, I think it was on his final lap, and Max had then won, because obviously he was a lap behind, basically. And um, he said, I'm guessing Max won, there's a load of orange fog. And they are like, yeah, watch out for the orange fog. <laughs> Uh, it was everywhere but if that was what we saw being at the track and traveling in each day from Amsterdam which was fun and easy to do for anyone who goes what was it like being in Zambot for the whole weekend Barreto did you ever get any sleep?
0: It. I thought that it would be noisy um, all the time but it, it wasn't I think what you're saying in terms of how everyone was so good-natured about it I think everyone was there enjoying themselves and and having a great time all day but i don't think anyone kind of got carried away and so zandvo the circuit is about if you walked out the circuit you could be on the beach and within two or three minutes and right along the beach there were a bunch of um temporary restaurants that they just put up during the summer season but really nice inside not just like pop-up tents and they were packed sort of on a friday saturday night so um i'm not allowed to go out for dinner but you can go out for exercise and walk along the promenade bit and the down on the beach it was just rammed just you know maybe fans just chilling out after the end of the day just hanging out together Nate you said something like chatting to fans um on the way in or on the train that I noticed that people were just talking to each other I guess in a way that people were just enjoying the fact that they were there enjoying Formula One, Max fans um just generally away at a sporting event again and I suppose that's another reason why people were probably just quite happy to um to be there so it was a properly great vibe there and it's an old school seaside town Zandvoort so um sort of like a Blackpool Margate Br- Bright not Brighton maybe Margate Blackpool kind of vibe um I thought um and I loved it I was very lucky that I stayed in Zandvoort so I kind of had that experience and then on Sunday night at midnight they did a cool fireworks display just on the beach uh which went on for like I don't know 15 minutes and that was properly cool because it's it kind of signaled uh the end of a, a pretty mega weekend and the the end of the weekend that everyone in Holland wanted
2: it was like yeah everything I think they envisaged I know they wanted to have more fans and they were being careful about certain th- someone said it because they were counting festivals it wasn't meant to be called a festival and it it's not it's just still a sporting event they just mm-hmm. did a great job activating around it but I did sort of describe it on Sunday as basically. It's a beach club, like a, a day-long beach party at a beach club that happens to be 4.3 kilometers long. And <laughs> it just gets interrupted by race cars every now and then. Like, that's kind of how it felt, but in a good way. So they, they did a great job of it. And I know it was the first one, so they were, like, full of energy for that. But quite often, then, you'd also see major teething issues that need ironing out. I mean, I think, like, the French Grand Prix, which has some great aspects, but the traffic on the first one back was terrible. And that really affected a lot of people's experience. I wasn't aware of anything that affected anyone's experience at Zandvoort negatively anyway. Um, and you can just do such a different like, approach to it as a fan. Like, like you said you stay in Zandvoort itself and it's quite a different kind of vibe there and you're right by the track and you can do the beach bars and, and everything that goes on right around the circuit. Or you can be a little bit out of the town and, and do a bit more of a rural, almost country type thing if you've got an Airbnb or camping or something. Uh, and cycle in with ease. You can be in harlem so like a nice town in between Amsterdam and Zamvor that's got the train if you want, or you can cycle from there too, I think in about half an hour. And all, you know, it's so easy to cycle. Everyone's on bikes, aren't they, in the Netherlands? Uh, or you can be in Amsterdam itself and do the proper city one. So, like, you've got any type of approach to a race weekend you want, you could do it. So, we should really have told them we were going to sell this and got some money for it, shouldn't we? <laughs> what yeah, was we it like?
1: Have, we could have, what- yeah, we could have made a ton of money from the Dutch Tourist Board.
0: What was it like staying in Amsterdam, and did you get a vibe within the city that Formula One was on?
1: So this is quite an interesting question because really, I didn't get it, the weird thing was so I stayed in Amsterdam Nord, and the great part of that was I got to get a foot ferry every morning. So I'd walk to this to the edge of the river, and I'd get a ferry over. It took like two minutes to get across the river, and then you arrive right at Amsterdam Central, and that in itself was such a novelty. But what was remarkable, aside from maybe on the Friday. When you walked in and you could see a lot of orange people in orange shirts and stuff like that, I think just because Amsterdam's quite a, it's quite a quiet place usually anyway. You know, it's it's quite well spread out. Like in terms of sorry, uh, the Netherlands is. You know, like it's it's we're used to London. We're used to very built up place. Like I went to London the other day and it was packed full of people. And I used to live in London like two months ago and I'm already like oh, so many people here. But like Meda said, when you got on the train, that's when you first really noticed the fans there. You'd see a few people wearing the capes and stuff like that and wearing Red Bull hats. But it was very different to let's say if like Amsterdam had been hosting an England football game, for example, you would have known most places you were you were that there was a game on. So again, it was a credit to the Dutch fans that it didn't spill out into Amsterdam. And it didn't it didn't mean it was it was less it was less enjoyable either. Because Amsterdam is a great place to go hang out. Like we went out a couple of evenings, had a, had a nice few drinks, had some dinner, and um, just really, really amazing. We sat at this one cafe, and we were watching the cyclists in the Netherlands who cycle everywhere. And you watch the way they turn into corners and the way they avoid like just just flat out hitting cars and going into the river. It's incredible. It's like an art form. Um, so I would encourage everyone to go to Amsterdam and just and just sit and people watch for a bit. It's it's a great place.
2: Yeah, we did a fair bit of that because obviously we're limited in still in what we can do based on FAA protocols. So we you, know, you try and you're dining outside where you can, and you only go in your own little group of people um, that you go to the media center with and stuff. But um, yeah, we managed to do a little bit of that. And um, yeah, and I, Nate's kind of right. It's, um, Amsterdam can be like a bit of a stag do destination and you know, big party weekends for people. But then if you're not in those areas, it's it's a really nice city anyway. But um, it just meant that the F1 sort of crowd kind of just blended into all that. So it wasn't overpowering. And I think it probably made it so that when people went there, they got a proper city break in Amsterdam when they were in the city. And then they got the full F1 experience when they were at the track. And you kind of managed to do both at the same time with the way they'd organized it as well. So, and the size of the place. So, yeah, it was really, really good. Um, highly, highly recommended. Um, and if I'm honest, unexpected. Because <laughs> all the stories about Zandvoort. Like, and when I mentioned Paul Ricard before, but um, we had Spa the week before, access to some of these places, old school circuits generally, can be a bit tricky. You can sometimes have a, a few logistical problems with it. And the event itself, once you're there, can be good. But you're sometimes stressed about where you're staying, what it's going to cost, how you're going to get in, how long it'll take, like the problems you might face. Nobody, ha- like zambor like, you know, with its location, a lot of people said, oh, it's going to be a disaster. And it was brilliantly organized. So, um, yeah, that kind of, I think, was a positive surprise for everyone.
0: I mean, yeah, the, absolutely. I, I remember looking at um, looking this up, and the population of Sanford was only seventeen thousand, and they had sixty five thousand people there each day, and that was only sixty six percent capacity. So, can you imagine what the place is going to be like? Um, you'd imagine it would be just as efficient, but can you imagine what the atmosphere is going to be like when they can have full capacity stadiums, maybe open up some of the the, the general standing positions, because you had that cool stadium section which is mimics that Mexican the Mexican stadium section can you imagine when the whole track is orange effectively and the impact and intimidating factor it's going to be um i can't wait to go back next year i just can't wait
1: it'll be interesting to see if if it still is efficient with all those people i'm not that's not to doubt but i, I feel like it was a great one of the only benefits for them maybe of having a limited capacity was they were able to kind of dry run that with sixty six thousand people a day rather than full capacity but the great thing as well was with um with traveling in was they encouraged so many people cycled in so many people got a train in cycled in, but you weren't allowed to park anywhere nearby which was really strange when you're actually uh, walking around a place and you're like there's no cars here it really i i you 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 never notice when there are cars somewhere but when there aren't people driving everywhere and people like honking their horns and getting aggressive you look around it's actually really nice like this (laughs) like people they, people have either cycled in a long way or they've got a train in and then they're walking the rest of the way um and I think that was quite it's quite a novelty that so the Dutch way of life is obviously catered around that a lot so mm-hmm. I think it's awesome we were kind of lucky in a sense
2: as well we avoid the busiest times because we'd obviously come in earlier to work leave a lot later because of work but I was always fascinated to think of how some people managed to cycle home after some of those days yeah. because so many bikes were there like so many and yeah not everyone who was riding is going to have been avoiding the Heineken, were they? So there was, um, I imagine there was a few shunts on the way back where people just started like toppling over slightly into the sand dunes and things. But um, yeah, it was, it was really well done, really cool. And might even try cycling next year, might, you know, stay somewhere different and cycling whatever. But um, yeah, it was, it was strange to have somewhere that wasn't like all based on driving in and out, like most circuits are. Um, And speaking of drivers, Segway, what do we all think of the driver news of the week?
0: Um, bus is going to have Romeo?
2: Yeah. No, no. Jake Hughes is doing
1: uh, Formula 2. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: This yes. guy. <laughs> I saw a tweet earlier from Mac... Not... Who was it? It was... I retweeted it and I've forgotten who it was. But they basically were saying um, that, that Mercedes did that in a really good way. They let Bottas news go first on the Monday. So Monday was about Bottas. It was about, we've found, you know, he's got a new seat. It's not, he's being replaced. It's Bottas has got a new seat. Tuesday, it's after Bottas has left, George Russell's coming in. I thought that, you know, whatever you think about Valtteri Bottas, it was a really classy way for Mercedes to do that. Um, And 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 really kind of, I think it not that it it matters in the long run, but I think Fans kind of see that and respect it, and you know, because he is staying in Formula One, so I thought that was a really nice touch.
2: Yeah, it was, it was Mark Gallagher who tweeted it. That's you know, it. I was literally just looking. I was just looking for it now. Yeah, Mark Gallagher. Um, and yeah, it was a very good point, and it was one. So I got asked answer like last week. I replied to someone's Twitter, um, what's to someone's tweet. Funny enough, I know, I know <laughs> the lingo. Um, about the fact that you know it's a done deal. George is going here. Valtteri is going there. Um, and it got a fair bit of traction. So then when Kimmy retired. Uh, everyone's like, oh, you know, here we go. This must be it then. Is it all going to happen now? Like, watch the dominoes fall. And I was like, no. Like, I even saw quite a few journalists do it be like, here we go. Like, the dominoes all fall now. I'm like, they're not going to because Kimmy's, you know, a legend. So Alpha were always giving Kimmy a full weekend, basically, his own breathing space of this guy's retiring. And suddenly it kind of, it was always going to get slightly overshadowed once the, the racing got underway anyway. But then obviously he tested positive for COVID. So that kind of moved on even quicker because you didn't see him anymore. But um, yeah, they were always going to give him his own breathing space. So then it was always going to be a few days till they did anything else. But I actually thought it would be Bottas and Russell on the same day um, to make it, for exactly for the reason you said, though, to make it that it didn't look like, you know, they didn't announce Valtteri getting booted out type thing. Um, or, you know, or George replacing Valtteri. It would be um, that the two together meant, you know, good news for both. But you're right, they handled it really, really well, actually, the way around they did it and the way they staggered it. And I think partly as well, there's a bit of an admission. We got a message, didn't we, from the um, Bradley Lord, the Merck press um like head of communications who on the whatsapp group sharing the link to the news after it came come out just said surprise mm-hmm. with a wink emoji because he knew it was like the worst kept secret by then but they stuck to their plan because that's how they wanted to kind of respectfully give everyone their airtime and yeah Valtry was the first name wasn't he the first set of quotes in their press release as well it was about Valtry leaving first based on what he's done and him and then about George coming through to replace Valtry because Valtry's left not Valtteri has been pushed out by George and yeah, yeah, we're talking about the future and screw the past. So yeah, really, really nicely handled.
0: I think it's very, I thought it was respectful for the job that he's done for them over the last four years. Um, well, we'll be five at the end of this year. Um And, I, you know, if George Russell wasn't around and he wasn't a thing, they would have kept Valtteri Bottas. So it wasn't like he was you know past his best and you know they're dumping him for that reason it's just so happens that there is someone who could be their future for the long term that they you know they've made that decision so but just a quick thing on um Kimi um I understood that they didn't actually know that he was gonna announce um his retirement um they were caught out well everyone genuinely was caught out by surprise so it to the timing of it um Kimi Announced it in a way that only Kibby can by just catching everyone off guard.
1: Well, I did wonder about that because Alpha didn't put out a statement for ages. Like they put, he put it on Instagram, didn't they? Mm -hmm. And
0: then it. So he put it on Instagram, and then I think Formula One did some stuff, and I think Alfa Romeo retweeted or reposted stuff on Instagram, Mm -hmm. and then they came out with their same. I, I think obviously they knew that he was leaving. I think it was just the timing they were caught they were caught out with i think essentially
2: yeah speaking of the timing catching people out Nate's just left us because <laughs> so it's just uh it's just bretta and i but I, I wasn't aware of that actually i um i knew that kimmy had kind of announced it off his own back rather than you know team agreed but i figured they'd known it was coming before the weekend or at least over the weekend because of the timing and everything else but um yeah that's
0: Look at that insight, see, from the paddock expert here. There you go. We There is actually some insight on this podcast. I don't it's, know. It, it is rare. Does that move sure. us into a different bracket now? There's actual insight. I don't know.
2: No, we, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> we, we've got to be careful. That's not what we're here for.
0: I suppose that's probably not what people want to hear either. There's that actual insight.
2: No. I um, know about your hotel room this week. Now you're in Monza. <laughs> after you kept it a real good secret from your colleagues about how brilliant um, your place was in Zambor.
0: Bye. I've got a fireplace I've got a fireplace again and a disco ball and a sauna
2: he's lying we can see it it does not look (laughs) good this this week
0: I'm in uh in a little town about 20 minutes from Munza in a lovely little Italian hotel that in truth probably hasn't been updated since it was created but um the staff are very friendly the food is very nice and the bed is comfortable so i can't complain
2: hat trick yeah and, and I, fair, as I, wi-fi yeah. is good
0: because yeah. we're talking to you and can hear you so and you guys are back in your respective homes
2: right now yeah indeed we, um, we managed to get home from spa which was good and then we managed to, well nate didn't actually nate went straight to Zambor. I, I came home and then went out to Zambor, and then we both came back on yesterday monday And then I will fly out to Monza on Thursday morning for the sprint weekend, because it's all later. So,
1: wild. Yeah, I'd kind of forgotten that that was the thing. But um, it's going to be interesting. I think, if I'm not mistaken, we all decided that the latest starts were rubbish, didn't we? So I think that (laughs) that's one thing to not look forward to. But how's that going to play out, do you think, at Monza? Because Monza's quite an interesting place to do that, considering like racing there is actually sometimes not the best. You just end up trying to get into a slipstream of someone else. But if they're, if they're too quick, you're not going to get past them. I think it's quite interesting based on that, that qualifying technically isn't qualifying.
2: So there will be a different way of trying to get yourself further up the grid, uh, which, yeah, I think Monza is then a great location to try that. Um, it would just be interesting to see how much risk people do take because you quite often see it, don't you, in, like, in the pack, someone following a bit too closely with low downforce, they can drop it. So whether it will become a really tame procession or whether it'll be an epic, I'm not too sure, but I think it should be in a few more overtaking moves because it's quite easy to just slipstream past a bit of DRS mm-hmm. and away you go. So I think people that, you know, say someone has a shocker on Friday, whatever, will feel like they can like actively make up that ground on Saturday in the sprint. Whereas uh, it took maybe a bit more of a gamble at Silverstone to actually do that and people still did do it didn't they especially early on but yeah i think, I think it'd be really interesting to see how it plays out i think it's a good good different example to have is to use monza after silverstone
0: yeah i think this is the, exactly the kind of track where i think i imagine when they envisaged how f1 sprint would would play out or where they might use it this was one of the circuits where they hoped it would be most effective so like you guys say we're well, interesting to see um how it plays out um the other good thing, because I love talking about the weather, is it's 29 degrees. So having been frozen and cold and wet in Spa, and then I would say reasonably tepid in the Netherlands, um, it's nice to um, have great conditions because Mons is always great for the fans. So it'll be nice that like they're going to be out in force in the sunshine. It's going to be a mega event towards the end of the summer season, um, and then two events really where the fans go go for it really back to back. So I think we're going to be spoiled. A little bit in a good well, way
2: firstly it's 29 degrees here in the uk right now as well i am roasting <laughs> uh and secondly yeah what's weird is this is the fifth race in a year that we'll have had in italy and none of them are like a double-headed back-to-back because this is the second visit to monza okay technically it was a year yesterday was the race in monza for 2020 oh i see you mean then we went to Mugello. uh then we've had two in Imola at separate points in the calendar so this is the fifth like race in italy and the fans haven't really been able to go to any. There was, what four thousand allowed to Mugello. Um mm-hmm. Imola were both behind closed doors. Monza was behind closed doors. I think like a thousand key workers. So this is the first time that Tifosi really get to go out and go for it. And yeah, they've you know we've we've hyped up Zambort just so that they go even bigger mm-hmm. this weekend. Um, so yeah, hopefully they do because that's an awesome sight when you get uh, the Tifosi really going for it at Monza. It's just it's classic F
1: one, isn't it?
0: And I can't wait. I think it's gonna be awesome. I was wondering how
1: Gasly's going to feel about that. We were talking about the Italian Grand Prix last year. He won with no fans there, and and all those guys on the podium. I remember it being, what was it Stroll and Science also there? They had to stand on that famous podium, and there was just no one there. And I actually think I remember Gasly saying afterwards that he actually didn't like mind that so much. But I'm sure as soon as people see the fans back there, they're going to say this is actually this is what makes Monza like stand out as so special. It's like Zandvoort in the same way, isn't it? You go there, and you know when the race is done, flares everywhere, fans kind of rushing the track so yeah uh i think it's i think it's one of the standard it's definitely in that cluster with zandvoort now the zandvoort the zandvoort five we can call them <laughs>
2: <laughs> we mentioned gasly and he's also got himself a new contract which is not the one he particularly wanted i don't think but still staying on alpha tauri with yuki so the hype train is like i don't know how do we say how how is the hype train moving right now because it's it's been extended like the line's been extended for it but i, I don't know the speed it's going at
1: And they're run. They're like they're renovating the station, you know. So whether it's good renovation or bad, we'll see. But they're giving it another year. Um, Yeah, I think that's quite a good lineup. Gasly, Sonoda. It's just a shame Gasly kind of seems to be stuck there. (laughs) You know, I think he deserves better.
2: He needs that car next year to be a real step forward, doesn't he? Those 2022 races. He really does. Like every team is saying it that it could be. And he needs it to be, I'd say. A bit like what was good for Russell is the way Williams improved year on year quite clearly. Mm -hmm. So he could then show what he could do and improve with it. You're right, Galsy's kind of at the point where in this team, as it stands, he can't really do any more. But if that team can have a car that steps in further forward next year, it doesn't have to be far, just maybe gets it in that McLaren-Ferrari bracket all the time, um, like comfortably in the mix at the front of the midfield every weekend. Then yeah, maybe that's a bit of progression.
1: And speaking of people stuck at Red Bull, Albon's now one of the final kind of pieces of this puzzle potentially. Um, I'd like him to go to Williams. I feel like he's in the same boat as Gasly, really, and that if he goes to a team and he can't show what he can do, I think I feel like it's just a kind of a waste of a waste of time. But what um, what do you guys reckon? Would you pick Albon or DeVries if you ended up? I mean, it seems like having Mercedes ties over Red Bull ties is going to you know, he's going to stand you in better stead there. But what
0: do you reckon? I think Williams is the way to go. um, Because they're like you mentioned earlier, Williams are going in the right direction um, trajectory wise and performance wise. Um, And I think a year out is probably the most that you want to have and anything more than that might make it quite tricky unless, you know, unless you're super exceptional and things work out for you in the future. And it's unclear really whether red bull will ever want him back so i suppose for him the main thing is get back on the grid show what you can do i guess you know fare quite well or as well as you can against latifi um and then see what the future holds i guess there's no point in thinking too far ahead so yeah i think that williams makes a lot of sense um for alex um and there's some nice symmetry there isn't it because his mate has just left the seat and he's going to go and take his mate's seat you know that's what i think is going to happen anyway
2: what I really have enjoyed about this whole thing playing out um, and it will continue to Monza as well, which is something to look forward to is the ongoing Wolf and Horner battle Royale because Horner started publicly claiming that Merck and Toto were going to block Alex's chances and, you know, how bad that would be. And he's like, you know, as long as it doesn't get blocked, then yeah, he might have a chance there. But the way he said it, was kind of like that, you yeah. Know, that's so unfair of Mercedes to do that. And you think, well, hang on, Red Bull have two teams, and haven't Alex yeah. in either of those seats. So the, the big blocking it's, going on is Red Bull doing that. That's not Mercedes'
1: fault. Uh, it's entirely of their own making. this situation. So when he does that, it's just it. And again, Horner, if you look back to 2018, when it was Ocon was facing a year on the sidelines, Horner and Ariva Benny at the time were like, no, we can't take him on. He's a Mercedes driver, which makes complete sense. Like if if another team is. P- pumping money into a guy's career and he has he could potentially have privy information into your like your engine your car whatever it is you're not gonna you're not gonna let that stand so yeah it was it was funny to see that play out but a little bit silly at the same time agreed sorry right. i've killed it <laughs> no
2: no you're, you're you're spot on killed like, the pod toto like when he then said well they should release him i thought it would be perfect shit out if red bull went you know what yeah like we'll release him to race for Williams and then think, you know, maybe we'll pick him up again later. And the first thing that happens is Merck pick him up. um That would be hilarious if they're like, make him a junior driver now in case, you know, he does really well. And then when Lewis retires, they want George and Alex together or something. So, um, can you imagine? It would be it, be amazing. it would be amazingly brilliant. So I actually thought it would be even better if it had happened just before George was announced, and then it turned out that they nicked Alex for Merck. Not that that was realistic, but I just thought it'd be really funny just to see how annoyed Red Bull were. But uh, yeah. It's uh, it's fun that that's that's something to definitely look forward to this week, among other things. So I'm I'm quite keen to see how the uh, next round of that fight goes.
0: Awesome. Well, that seems like you've wrapped it up very neatly, is, Um Nates get very excited. Meadows get very excited. It's like they're still in Dutch party mode. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, listeners, you can't see Mama what, louder. What they're doing. Mama <laughs> louder. There was, there was another line of that was like Max Verstappen, Max
2: Verstappen, and then yours wasn't it as well? They were the three. Three drivers at the moment.
1: Every, Nikki, Yoss, every name, yeah, Nikki Yos Max, Nikki Yos Max. Anyway, right, lads, so I'm just going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go and turn the lights off in of my house and just have a little raise. I was gonna say, before
0: too. you guys start breaking in song one more time. Um, I'm going to wrap. I'm going to wrap it there. Thanks very much uh, for catching up. Good to see you guys. Uh, nice to see you actually both in person, of course, in Zandvoort. Meadows, I'll see you when you get here. Uh, in Monza. Nate, I'll see you very soon. Thanks to everyone who's listening. Please remember to hit the subscribe button and follow us on our social channels. You can read Meta's work on race.com, Nate's work on ESPN.com, and my work on f1.com. Let's do this again very, very soon.
1: Mama louder, mama louder. Bye. Network.